Amen. Thank you, Ms. Chanel. All right, back to Jonah in chapter number four. And uh, as I said, I'm going to speak a little bit about what we talked about on Wednesday uh, during our Bible study. And, uh, and when we did that, uh, of course, I want to encourage you to be out here for Wednesday uh, for the Bible study time. It's just a great, uh, of course, we pray, uh, go over prayer requests, but um, you get halfway through the week and you're out there just, you know, living and doing. It's, it's great to just kind of be around God's people uh, middle of the week and, and have that kind of respite from everything that's going on. So I do want to encourage you, if it's not your custom, uh, to come for the Bible study and the prayer meeting to, uh, to work on that and uh, come on out. You can't get enough church, uh, you know, if you feel like, well, I just don't need Wednesdays. You really need Wednesdays then. Uh, if, uh, if you think you don't need it, uh, then you really, really do. And uh, so on Wednesday, uh, looking at chapter number four, uh, we focused on what God had done for Jonah. Uh, he had repented uh, back in chapter number uh, uh, two, and, uh, and then he began to preach, and, and his repentance was genuine. It was sincere, uh, and he uh, fulfilled the plan of God uh, in preaching what was, uh, he was supposed to preach. And then we get into chapter number four, uh, and he loses it again. Uh, and so I pointed out in part during that message the fact that uh, we as Christians uh, have times where we have genuine repentance and sincerity and, and God uses us. Uh, and just, just like that, we can be out of the will of God. Uh, it doesn't mean that what we uh, were sincere about before, uh, that we're not sincere about it. Uh, it's just that that's just how we are. Uh, we are we're bent on uh, that type. We, we wander, we uh, we are flaky, uh, and we, we just, we have a very short spiritual attention span uh, that gets arrested uh, by every little thing that we see here, and, and it's really hard uh, for, for Christians to focus. Uh, and, and partly, I mean, I get that, I understand that just because of my own, you know, personal uh, you know, struggles with focusing on God and His plan. Uh, and, uh, but knowing that, that we have to eliminate, uh, really uh, take stock of all the things that are going on in our life that are uh, taking and pulling our focus away from God and onto other things. And so uh, God uh, gives him a second chance. The word came unto him a second time. He goes into the city, preaches uh, an eight-word message, uh, and then uh, people began to uh, repent and pray and fast, and, uh, and, and God saw all of that uh, and did not destroy the city. Uh, but in chapter number four, we find that Jonah still thought that's what going to take place, and he went up on the side of the hill and built a booth so he could watch the show. Uh, if he had popcorn, uh, I'm sure he was eating it, uh, waiting uh, for God to just destroy it probably wondering how he was going to destroy it. Fire and brimstone, uh, you know, whatever, you know, some type of a pestilence comes through and, uh, and uh, whatever the case may be, um, it didn't happen. And every minute that passed that God didn't do it, uh, I believe Jonah's heart got more hard, uh, his neck more stiff uh, and more rebellious to God. And he was angry because he knew God was a merciful God. He knew God was a gracious God. Uh, and it's almost like he said, I knew you were going to do that. And he was upset about it because he didn't want his enemies uh, to, to get that. He wanted them to be judged. So part of our takeaway from the book of Jonah uh, is really showing us the selfishness uh, in the heart of man 
uh, and then the mercy in the heart of God. When you think of Jonah in his preaching uh, that uh, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Think about when he was preaching that. This is Old Testament preaching. This is, this is when God did that very thing where he would destroy entire cities, uh, where, where it was just common knowledge that that's what God, God was. He fought for Israel. God was for Israel. It's his people. Uh, and, uh, and there was just a lot of, uh, of stuff. And I was uh, just reading a little bit. Uh, some of you, most of you probably know I, I got a new motorcycle. Uh, and uh, and um, somebody gave me custom plates, Brother Springer, that uh, says Jehu. Uh, and uh, Jehu uh, was the son of Nimshi, and he, he drives his chariot furiously. Uh, and, uh, and so that's why uh, that plate is going to be on there. Uh, and, uh, but when you read past uh, 2 Kings 9.20, where that is, uh, it's all the stuff that Jehu did. Like, is it peace, Jehu? No, kills a bunch of people. And it's kill and kill and kill and kill. That's, that's the time frame where when God says he's going to judge, you full on expected God was going to do something terrible and that these people were going to perish. And so I kind of get where Jonah uh, would think that because that's how he is. But this is a contrast in the book of Jonah about a selfish uh, heart of man and a merciful God. It's like the things are completely reversed. It's like man being judgy uh, and God being not when he full well could be uh, because God is a merciful God. Aren't you glad that he's merciful? Uh, and uh, because it, it, it's his mercy, it's renewed every morning. I'm thankful for uh, grace, uh, but I'm equally and probably more so many times thankful for his mercy uh, because he does not give us uh, what we deserve. And so he sits on the side of the hill and he's waiting uh, for God to destroy the Ninevites and God doesn't. Uh, and uh, in the middle of that, he's sitting there watching and up comes this gourd just out of nowhere. Uh, and uh, people speculate as what it is, and, but it gave him shade, and, and it says he was exceeding glad for the gourd. He wasn't grateful, but he was happy that it was there. Uh, and uh, in, write this down if I did. I don't think I said this on, on Wednesday, uh, but nothing touches a bad conscience more effectively than further undeserved kindness. Let me say that again. Nothing touches a bad conscience more effectively than further undeserved kindness. We read in the Bible that God says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay. He says, If your enemy hungers, give him something to eat. If they are thirsty, give him something to drink. And he says, In doing so, you heap lumps of coal upon their heads. And what God is teaching us is that He is the one who judges, He is the one that gives vengeance. We're not supposed to look for that for ourselves and allow God to do all of that. But there's even a part, I mean, we know when we read 1 Corinthians about charity and love, we really shouldn't, we should just be about doing kindness to people, regardless if they're our friends or our enemies. And everything being from a place of charity, as God says, without it, we're like, uh, uh, like brass and tinkling cymbals. Uh, and that, that it's important that we do everything from that perspective. Uh, but, but it is true that when somebody does you wrong, one of the best things, the scriptural things that you do is, is you do them right. Uh, you, 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 you err on the side of mercy and help. And uh, so, uh, again, you know, you can take it literally. If, if they're hungry, feed them. I've, uh, I've had people that 
you know, hate my guts. Uh, and I see them in a restaurant and I'd buy their meal. Uh, and uh, and well, why would you do that? Because uh, the Bible says that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, I, would be, I would be lying if I didn't say I was trying to heap uh, lumps of coal uh, and, uh, and because I'm just trying to be transparent. Uh, but there's been times where out of, out of love uh, and I've done, and, I, and, and I've tried to love people back into our church that have left and, uh, and do good things for them and on and on and on. Uh, and that's what God wants. Nothing um, will, will touch a bad conscience more than un- other undeserved kindnesses. Uh, and, uh, and so you want to get back at somebody, you be nice to them. Uh, and you say, that doesn't, that, that doesn't work. I want to be mean to them and nasty to them. Uh, and uh, you just do it God's way. You trust God. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, you'll feel better if you do somebody some kindness uh, versus doing something you know, mean to them or whatever. Uh, you'll, feel, uh, you'll feel better and you'll sleep at night uh, with a conscience that's clear of offense uh, from God and man. And, uh, and so this gourd comes up, and then uh, he's happy for it, and then God took it away. Came up in a night, and then was gone in a night. And the moral of the story uh, and what we talked about on Wednesday night is that a gourd in this passage is, uh, is analogous to any type of grace or gift that God gives us. So we, we worship the graces and the gifts that God gives us, they uh, envelop our hearts and we focus on them. And when God takes them away, we get despondent. Uh, and, uh, and God points out uh, that, you know, you shouldn't be that way. Why are you angry? Why are you angry for a gourd that you had nothing to do with? It wasn't there when you sat down. I gave you that and I took it away. Uh, and doest thou well to be angry? He said, I do, and unto death. Uh, and it's pathetic, really. Uh, but, but you and I have done the same thing. It, it, you can put whatever you want. What, your gourd could have been an automobile or, uh, or a house, or it could have been a relationship. It could have been a job, whatever. Uh, God gives you a vine, a gourd, uh, and then he removes that gourd or that vine, uh, and we get bent all out of shape. And so the story of Jonah... The book of Jonah challenges us as Christians about priorities uh, and then also about prejudices of all of God's, to all of God's people. Priorities and prejudices uh, that we see now. Um, the gourd was taken away and God deals with him. In verse number 10, it says, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in the night. What well, God was saying, okay, you have pity and compassion, whatever. You're, you're upset that a vine that I made and gave you and took away died. And he said, should I, verse number 11, and should not I spare Nineveh, that great city? He said, you are upset about the vine. I saved 120,000 people. And much cattle. I mean, when it rains fire and brimstone, dogs, cats, cattle, whatever, uh, everything, uh, everything gets killed. Cats first. Uh, so, <laughs> and uh, only cats. Uh, and, uh, but uh, everything gets affected uh, in those moments. So God was pointing uh, that out to, to him uh, as well. Now, um, 
Sometimes people ask me, they know that I pastor in the Seattle-Tacoma area. In the Seattle-Tacoma area, uh, we're known for a lot of things and none of them good, uh, except coffee. We're known for coffee and computers uh, and everything else uh, not so good, and even some of those uh, people have trouble with. And, uh, but, of course, obviously in this last year, uh, we were like one of the first ones to shut stuff down. We'll be the last one to open stuff up. Uh, and uh, that's just where we live. It's the, the political environment, uh, all the social things and lifestyle stuff and all the things that God uh, is against, we see on a daily basis uh, that we, we war against spiritually. Uh, and, uh, and so sometimes when somebody asks me that doesn't know me, uh, they say, well, where do you pastor? And I say, I am a missionary to Antifistan. <laughs> that's what I tell them. Uh, missionary to Antifistan. And they, for a second, they're like, well, they, uh, they don't know, and then I got to explain it, and it's not funny because they got to explain it. Whenever you explain something uh, to somebody, uh, it wasn't funny. And, uh, and so I'm a missionary to Antifistan. And uh, now when I do that, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm trying to be funny. But, but partly kind of deep-rooted in that uh, is a prejudice uh, that shouldn't be there. Are you following me? Uh, and uh, so just like Jonah, uh, when he looked at the Ninevites and what they did and, uh, and say God's going to, because God judges sin. Uh, and and there, there's all kinds of sin uh, to, you know, Seattleites and is it Tacomaites or whatever. Uh, it, there, there are many sins that God is against and he's going to judge. But you know what we do? Um, we buy into all of that and we're just kind of waiting for God to do it. And we don't actively pursue them because, because of our prejudices. I'm not talking about you know, black, white, and that type of thing uh, in racism and whatever. There was a certain part of, of, of Jonah's idolatry uh, that smacked of, uh, of racism uh, because of, his, of the Jewish. Uh, he was a Jew, and they weren't. And, uh, and that was just part of their makeup and their pride uh, that they had. Uh, so there's, there's part of that where there were people that, uh, that he didn't like. And we know, uh, you, you think of people like the Samaritans in the Bible uh, and what um, the Jewish people thought about them or how they treated them. Uh, that type of thing has happened since the beginning of time. Uh, but but uh, to, to kind of connect it to where we're at today... Um, if you believe the Bible, you believe this, that there is, there is not one person that God's not willing to save. And, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. He is a merciful God, uh, and he loves sinners uh, and saves sinners. And not only is it, it's, he'll, he'll save anybody, anywhere, any color, any nationality. And if you believe the Bible, you believe that. Uh, and, uh, but even though we believe that, we get to be kind of like Jonah at times. To where, you know, I, I've just thought, you know, you know what would be great? Uh, if, you know, if there was like, if Capitol Hill just went up in one big, you know, flume of smoke. Just, 
uh, Antifa stand, Chaz, whatever, all the uh, autonomous zone, uh, just God uh, and, uh, and whatever. I've always said if, you know, if North Korea or whatever is going to shoot bombs over here, I, I said I hope it lands right on my house because <laughs> uh, uh, going to heaven, uh, the Bible says, is a great thing. Uh, but after that, at least hit Capitol Hill and, uh, and just blow it all up because it's crazy. Uh, all the, all the, everything that they're against, they did it, you know, they had armed guards and, are you following me? Uh, it was just, it was just an absolute, but that's what, you know, we get known for. In fact, I talk to people and say, how's things out there in Seattle? Uh, and, uh, and that's what they want to know. And, uh, and if we're not careful, um, we, we can buy into this idea uh, that those people don't need Jesus. That if they're going to get Jesus, they're going to get it from somebody else because it surely isn't going to be me. And, uh, and so we, uh, you know, I know preachers that have proactively, um, during all of that, uh, the autonomous zone stuff, where they've gone up in there, many of them because they just want to, you know, gawk and, uh, and see what's going on. Uh, but some that went in there legit to try to lead people to Christ, and some of them got run out, some of them got attacked. Uh, and uh, if you were to go up to Seattle uh, in the Pike Place Market and other places, you'll find street, uh, people street preaching. In fact, I saw people street preaching just the other, other week outside of uh, uh, Applebee's there on that corner uh, and on several sides of it with signs or whatever. You know what we do? We're like, well, it's great that they're doing that because I'm not going to do that. It's great that that street preacher went into uh, the autonomous zone or whatever uh, to preach the gospel because that's not what I'm going to do. Those people can just die and go to hell for all I'm concerned uh, and uh, because God's going to judge all that stuff. And uh, and if you think that, you're in good company because that's what Jonah thought. So from a practical standpoint, we understand that the Bible, God wants to save everybody. But we don't share the gospel enough with people we like, let alone with people that we, are, uh, we don't like or we don't like what they do, we don't like their politics, we don't like their life or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and we always got to preach against sin. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who's in this church uh, on any given service. I'm going to preach what the Bible says. I don't care if they're not going to like it. You always preach the word of God and you preach the truth. And I'm against all that stuff. But I can't, I can't get to the place, and neither can you, where we, where we actively think on purpose or we passively do by our apathy and our lack of effort in trying to, to reach people with the gospel. Um, we, uh, what's the answer to, uh, to Washington's um, problems? Jesus. That's the answer. And we have the answer. But we don't share Jesus with people. We'll share our opinions and thoughts about everything under the sun except telling them exactly what they need um, to be saved uh, and for God to transform people. So the story of Jonah is about the, the mercy of God and the selfishness in the heart of man, particularly Jonah, which translates into to us in 2021 uh, in Washington State, Seattle, Tacoma area, where we have Ninevites that we, that we, um, we know God uh, is against and is going to judge, but uh, we're, sitting, we're sitting on our hill, South Hill, uh, and we're just waiting for God to do it. 
instead of loving people in trying to reach them. Now, uh, my points, uh, I've got three points uh, really that I'd like to, to give us today that deal with um, this question that God said in verse 11. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city? Uh, God's question uh, answered itself. Uh, it means that he's certainly concerned about that city. He's, con- he's concerned about every soul uh, that is there, uh, whether they're um, heathen, pagan souls that were the Assyrians, uh, or if they were Jewish souls uh, that were in captivity there. Um, God cares about them all. So it's kind of a, a, a rhetorical question. It's a question that uh, has an answer. And, and so we should not allow... Uh, the quiet understatement of verse number 11, where God really doesn't go into detail, and we don't know how Jonah necessarily responded to it, uh, to, to obscure the significance uh, of the question. Absolutely. Uh, it should challenge us uh, in three areas. Number one, concern, commitment, and then confidence. And here's what I mean by that. Number one, that question, this story, of Jonah and Nineveh, uh, should bring to our hearts and minds uh, or develop in us a concern uh, for a perishing world. See, it's possible to talk about our concern uh, for non-Christians, for uh, for people uh, in our area or outside of our area, uh, to say that we believe Christ and that the answer to uh, their deepest spiritual need Uh, is Jesus, uh, and yet be cold uh, and detached uh, and apathetic, uh, unmotivated uh, in our hearts. I'd be the first to admit uh, that there's a big part of me uh, that just wishes the trump would sound uh, and and we're out of here. That would be wonderful. Uh, and, And by the way, every one of us should have that hope and desire to be with him, which is far better. We should want to go. We might not want to go now, right? Uh, and, uh, and I get all of that, but we should want to be uh, with him and see him uh, as he is. But, uh, but uh, we, um, unfortunately, the vast majority of Christians uh, around our country and the world uh, are in a holding pattern. We're waiting. We're, we're concerned about prophecy and end times and what's going to take place and look what's happening there. And all of it, by the way, is to to help us understand the need for us to share the gospel. Yes, we're in the days of Noah. Yes, we're in the end times. Yes, these things are happening. Yes, these prophecies are being fulfilled. But, you know, it's more than just, you know, packing a bag and getting ready to go. It's more about what you do. You occupy till he comes. So there's a, a concern for a perishing world. Uh, we're concerned to a degree, but we're unmoved and uh, we, don't, uh, we don't pray for, we don't go. And, uh, and uh, we, in practice, here's what we do. Uh, we send uh, mission checks to missionaries uh, and, uh, and then hope uh, that uh, the minister will build up the congregation. That's what, we, that's what most churches, that's right where they're at. Um, and uh, we're, we're doing something uh, for the Great Commission, 
uh, and uh, in hoping that Pastor Reno uh, builds up the church and, uh, and uh, knowing full well that God builds the church. Uh, but, but, we, but we think about that. Otherwise, uh, we need to admit that we have limited God uh, and we have limited our practical involvement in the Great Commission and in the plan, uh, and we don't have that, uh, that love for and concern for uh, those around us. And, uh, and uh, for many Christians, evangelism is an important thing, but it's not a priority. Uh, in in uh, their life, and, and it needs to be, and uh, and uh, so uh, we should have a concern. Whatever whatever gifts we have, whatever graces we have, whatever opportunities or circumstances that God gives us, uh, none of them should be prioritized over uh, over God uh, and His plan and His purpose. Uh, and we should have a love for people. So the question is: Is do uh, you know Jonah? Do you love uh, Ninevites? No. And because uh, he didn't. Now, maybe after this was all done and God dealt with him and as he penned this, we don't know. Uh, but do you love the people where you live? Are you concerned for, um, you know, our great cities uh, and the lives that are there? Uh, or do we have a little bit of Jonah's uh, attitude uh, lodged in our mind and uh, that, that kind of, washes away or dampens that concern. Uh, and, uh, and so concern for the lost world uh, is uh, not just some kind of grand cosmic slogan. It's something that we should have, uh, and it should be lived out every day in our life uh, and uh, in our normal routine uh, of living. And so concern for the lost um, world means a practical love for people among whom we live. Uh, it means wanting them to be Christians too. Uh, instead of just wanting them to go away. Wanting them not to, not to bother uh, us. I used the illustration in Sunday school. Somebody asked me for uh, some money. I was eating a sandwich outside of a store. And uh, he said, hey, do you have any? He was walking by. Uh, Excuse me, sir, do you have any change? And I'm like, um, no, I don't. I did. I had change and cash and whatever. And uh, off you went. I got under conviction. Uh, not to give him my sandwich because I was really hungry, uh, and, uh, but to, to, to help him. So I said, all right, come back here. And, uh, and so I said, I'll give you um, $5 for five minutes of your time. Uh, uh, went in my car, got a track. I witnessed him for uh, less than five minutes, uh, and then off he went. Gave him the word of God. I don't know if he'll get saved or not, um, but that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to tell him he needed some money for whatever and, and I'm not really concerned about what he was going to use it for. Uh, you say, you should be. Well, you know, the Good Samaritan didn't ask the, uh, you know, uh, why was that person there? Why would, you know, it, it's, there's a part of us being a Christian where the Holy Spirit goes, give him some money. I mean, it could be that, it could be that a Christian gives somebody money uh, and they buy drugs with it and God uses that very thing to bring conviction to their heart. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, but I know this is that I can't be sincere about my burden for my city and where God has placed me if I have no concern about the people who live in it. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that is something that, uh, that bothers me about myself uh, and that I, that I hope that through this illustration, this story with Jonah, uh, that, uh, that you would have concern uh, for those around you. But then, uh, number two, it's not just to be concerned, uh, but there's also a commitment. 
uh, to practical evangelism. Uh, it's very easy uh, to be concerned about people, uh, but not do anything about it. Uh, there's a saying that says, compassion without action is only pity. So um, when to show compassion means that we actively do something uh, for them. And uh, so um, we've got to get down to God's business of sharing the gospel with people. Uh, and it is a, it's a rare church today uh, that uh, can get 10% of their church people involved in the evangelistic outreaches of their church. I remember years ago, um, 20-some years ago, there was a church plant in Minnesota. They were looking for a pastor and different things, and I was trying to help them, and uh, and I was there preaching, and uh, and, uh, there's like 45 people in that church. And so I asked them, I said, do you have a soul winning program? And they said, yes, we do. I said, about how many go? And they they said, all of them. I said, no, you misunderstood my question. You have a uh, soul winning program. How many of your church family goes on soul winning? All of them. 100% of the 45 people uh, would go out. That is um, unusual. Uh, and, uh, but what is more usual uh, is just not. Now, we've had, uh, of course, this last week, a lot of the people that would normally go out were, were sick and at home. Uh, but uh, uh, the two least attended things at our church are our prayer meetings on Sunday morning uh, and soul-winning program, active, planned outreach time in our church. But when you think about that for a second, um, the reason we're here is to do that. Part of God's plan for the church is for me to, is to, to equip you, to edify you, to build you up, to equip you so that you can go do that. Are you following me? And uh, everybody here say Amen. I know I, it's like I didn't go to soul winning. I can't, I can't say amen right now because I, you know, I wasn't there. I know you weren't. I was there. Okay, so let's just, you know, I know who's not there uh, and, uh, and who is. Uh, and, and again, you don't got to go to that uh, in order to be a soul winner. I know that, and I've said that a, a million times. And as I get to this, uh, this end here, I got to hurry as I got announcement to make with all that. And uh, so um, it's rare. Um, and there's no doubt that we need those planned times uh, in a church, programs of, uh, of evangelism, because God's given that commission to uh, the local church. And, uh, and uh, for some people, that it could be uh, passing out tracts. It could be um, going door to door. It could be uh, any other type of, of program. There's a church in our area that they started a food bank during the pandemic so that they could go door to door. Uh, offering that, and with that, it was it was just a great uh, opportunity, uh, and so uh, they'll uh, they'll do those types of things uh, to get the gospel out. Uh, the but here's the point, the, the a main point that I want to make: the practical love that Christians, uh, whether individually or as churches, um, show to others, uh, and uh, the the lives that we live according to the Word of God. Uh, is the heart and soul, uh, or is a heart and soul of true evangelism. Now, I'm not talking about lifestyle evangelism as an excuse not to share the gospel with people. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's, it's what God uses uh, in, in our life. Jesus organized his disciples and sent them out uh, with instructions uh, to do that very thing. And uh, he tells the church in John chapter number 17 to be in unity so that, uh, that people can see that 
um, that you love me and that I love them. Uh, and uh, he says that we're to do good works so that people see them and glorify our Father, uh, which is in heaven. And, and, uh, and uh, he, tells, uh, he tells Christian wives to be submissive to their own husbands so that uh, if any of them that don't believe uh, the word would be one, paraphrasing, uh, by the conversation uh, of their lives and how they live. So the point is that evangelism uh, should be the Christian's way of life in their home, uh, their family, their church. Evangelism happens uh, when Christians live faithfully in the world uh, and exercise their gifts, their callings that God has given them uh, in that world. Evangelism only happens when the people of God add love and charity um, uh, to the faith that they, that they profess. And so fundamental uh, to the witness of Christ is the faith that we have that works by love. And that's the book of James. So there's a practical Christianity uh, that we're to live out uh, you know, people say this, you might be the only Bible that somebody reads. And there's a truth to that. Um, do people see Christ in you and through you? And then number three, and I'm just going to give you the point and then, uh, and then come back to, to something else. Confidence in God's purpose to save. See, Jonah wanted no more uh, than a ministry of judgment. That's what he wanted uh, in his preaching uh, to the Ninevites. Uh, and, uh, but... Um, you know, we should expect uh, that when the Word of God is preached, when the Word of God, the gospel is shared, that God is going to do what God does and that people get saved. Um, when, we, when we have guys like Caleb Garraway come here and talk about there being revival in America, we think it'll never happen. We are so pessimistic about revival as a country, revival in a church, Revival individually. It's like, how can we do, how can we reach our community when our community is so dark? Uh, but the darker the night, the brighter the light. Amen. And God says we're supposed to be salt and light. We've heard preaching on that uh, recently. So I'm saying all that to say this. At Bring Baptist Church, um, we're going to reinstitute uh, what we called Saturation Saturdays. So the very first Saturday... Of July, and I know it's July third, but here's my point: because when we talked about, hey, should we do it? It's like, well, it's 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 Fourth of July weekend, which proves my point that we're too busy doing our own things to fulfill the Great Commission. And so you say, well, it would be a bad day to kick off Saturation Saturday on on uh, on July the third. You know what? If they're going to shoot fireworks off somewhere, they ain't going to shoot it off till 10, 11 o'clock at night. And so there's no greater day to kick it off uh, than a holiday weekend because that's going to that's gonna show us just where we're at. And, uh, and so Saturation Saturday, what we'll do, uh, of course, passing out tracks and canvassing and some soul winning, this or that. But here's, here's what I think. Uh, we can go, um, let's say if there's four or five you know, Saturdays in a month uh, with a handful of people at soul winning, what could, what could we do in one Saturday with half the church? What could we do in one Saturday with three quarters of the church? What we could do with all of them? Brother Reno, how many did you have out for soul winning on Saturday? All of them. Man, I'd love to be able to say that. Uh, and, uh, but, but if, you know, uh, I'd, probably, I'd probably be six foot five 
uh, before everybody uh, in uh, this church showed up for soul winning. I have a greater chance of, of that. Uh, and you say, that's pessimistic. I know, uh, but, it's, uh, but I've come about it by, uh, you know, close to you know, 25 whatever years of, of, of being in ministry. And so Saturation Saturdays, where we take the gospel, because that's what we're all about. And it's more important than, uh, than your picnic. It's more important than watching fireworks. Uh, to celebrate the liberty uh, that we have in America, to spread the gospel uh, in, in, in a country that, uh, that God has given us. And so we're going to do that. And then I talk about a practical way as well. Uh, we're reinstituting love works. And so first Saturday of every month, Saturation Saturday. The other Saturdays, I'm not going to hound you about coming out. We'll still, people who want to make visits or they're going to visit their Sunday school class uh, and those types of things, uh, if, uh, we're still going to do all that. Uh, but on that first Saturday, uh, coming in at whatever, uh, we're going to say 10 o'clock. Uh, and uh, maybe you get a challenge from the Word of God and we, and we go out and we, and we do what God has called us to do, which is it's, it's your responsibility as much as it's mine. Uh, and, uh, and so you should be there, and you should be a part of that. Uh, and uh, as a church, as we, as we do that, and then Love Works uh, is something we're going to try to schedule uh, something every month. And so right now I'm thinking the 17th, which is a Saturday, uh, and uh, barring, like I'll look at the weather that's coming up or whatever, the 40-day forecast, uh, we're going to do, because um, we haven't done one for a long time, uh, we're going to do a, a totally free car wash. We're going to have some signs out there. We'll have um, at least two or three stations where the faucets are. Uh, and we're just going to clean people's cars for free. Not take any monies, no donations. Just going to clean it for free. Uh, give them a gospel track. Maybe we'll give them a bottle of water or whatever. Uh, and we'll clean their cars and do it to serve them, to show uh, them that, uh, that we love them. Uh, and, uh, and somebody that can come in and get their car wash for free. Uh, and I went and got a cheapie the other day. It was $12 just to run through, and you know, I still had bird poop all over my car when I left. And, uh, and so get their car clean, get a gospel track, and just trust God for it. But why do you do that? Because Christians are supposed to do stuff like that. Amen. And to love the people where we live. So we look at Jonah. He's a terrible guy. And uh, prejudice and, you know, priorities, you know, whatever. But we do the same thing. And what I'm asking you today is to stop doing that. And to simply repent of it and ask God to help you to be a better witness. And lead somebody to Christ. Uh, and, uh, and bring them to church, whatever. Uh, as, as we progress through that, teaching them, baptizing them. Uh, but it all starts with that. And we have, I've been here for I've, I've preached like this and challenged this church, I don't know how many times, over the 15 years that I've been here. And had we been doing that for 15 years, we'd be running 4,000 people uh, and, and with this, having to do, and God would have been doing this great thing because that's how people, they, they're one, one person at a time. But I want you to think for one second, if you've been here longer than I have been, 15 years, how many people have you led to Christ in 15 years? Just think about it. Let that sink in. Um, then ask yourself why. There's a, there's a connection between the amount of times you share the gospel witness and the amount of people that get saved. It just happens that the more you do it, the more you see. That's how God works. 
So if you've been here for 15 years or however long, just to say, how many people, how many people have you led to Christ in that amount of time? And if it's zero, um, you should hit the altars today, at the altar call, and say, God, help me to be a better witness. Help me to love the people where I live. Um, and, uh, you know, um, we've had, I know there's people moving out, I want to call them out uh, in the sense of that. Our beans, this is the last Sunday. They're moving to Wisconsin, but they're not running because they, you know, don't like the Ninevites in Washington. <laughs> okay, so don't misunderstand. But there have been people who have moved who said, I'm tired of this place. And I can't handle it anymore. But if all the light and salt leaves, um, it's just going to increase in ungodliness. And, uh, and, and so God has us here to love these people and to reach them with the gospel. And, and we just really, 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 really need to start doing that. Not just preach this message and then you know, grab some tracks off the back and do it this week. But next week and the week after, and it needs to be front of mind when you're at Starbucks and Safeway and you're getting gas or whatever, you're walking through a store and you, somebody talks to you and, and whatever. I had a guy uh, uh, yesterday uh, just come up, and just, or it was yesterday, whatever day it was, uh, and just chat me up. Uh, we're just talking about everything under the sun. I talked to the guy for like 10 minutes and I didn't give him a gospel track. And I'm the pastor. But if somebody's like, well, you should do that. You're the pastor. No, you, you, you do that manifold times. Right. And, uh, and so keeping them in there and giving that, hey, let me give you some good news. The world's full of bad news. Oh, it's really full of bad. Here's some good news. And then, yeah, and then walk off. It is really that simple. And we don't do it. And God, they can read a track and get saved. And so the easiest thing we could do is just give in tracks, and we don't. So God help us. But let's not be like Jonah, and let's learn. Yes, we can. I use humor to help myself stay sane. So I'll kid about Antifa stand and, uh, and on and on and on uh, with people. This gives them perspective. But, but, but if I was a missionary to Afghanistan or Pakistan or any place with a stand, Antifa stand. That's where God's placed me. Uh, and uh, to, to win them uh, to Christ. So I'm going to be better and do better. And I hope that you will as well. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And uh, it's a simple challenge. God help me to be a better soul winner. Help me to be focused on that. Help me to not be so concerned about the vines and the gourds that you give in my life and the blessings that I worship them and forget uh, that what's more important than those vines are people.